Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. May the peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to First Baptist Church, and we are grateful that you are with us this morning. Whether it is here in person or those of you joining online, it is good to be together on this third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of Joy, also known as the Sunday that we light the pink candle or rose candle. It's uh, Gaudet, I think, in Latin, if you want to get fancy with it. But it's the Sunday of joy, and I am grateful that we can be together to celebrate and to worship. And if you're a guest here, we are especially grateful to have you. If this is your first time with us, we ask that you fill out a welcome card. It's in the pew pocket just in front of you, and if you will place that in the offering plate later in service, then we will know that you have been with us. So at this time, may we take a deep breath, may we ready ourselves for the worship of God. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind. And much can never be redeemed. Still, Life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back. That sometimes something happened better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything. But very likely you will notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Do not hesitate. Don't hesitate to find yourself in this moment. Don't hesitate to lose yourself in this moment. Don't hesitate, for the light is surely coming.
Bow with me. Our loving and merciful, giving and forgiving Father in heaven, our hearts are full of joy as we come into your presence. We are happy and glad to be gathered together to worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise for you are our God, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, our provider, our protector, our savior, our shepherd and our king. We rejoice, meaning our hearts leap for joy. We rejoice in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We rejoice in you, God, for you sent your only begotten son to be born in a manger and live among us and to die on an old rugged cross for our sin. We rejoice in this time together. We rejoice in this Advent season as we expect and anticipate our celebration of the birth of Christ. With joy we decorate our homes. With joy we wrap Christmas presents for our family and friends. With joy, we send Christmas cards out to loved ones. With joy, we give clothes and toys to those in need. With joy, we prepare for Christmas. Father, give us the opportunity to share the joy of Christmas with someone this coming week. Lead us to someone that we can share our wonderful, wonderful joy with. In Jesus' name, amen.
Advent begins in the darkness. We wait in the darkness, especially tonight. The darkness is not always our enemy. In the darkness of sleep, dreams rise up. You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. Time for children's time. Come on down, kids. Well, hi, girls and boys. And welcome to the children's time. It is so good to see you today. Let's do first a manger check, okay? Let's do our manger check. See here. Oh yeah, there you are. Uh, he's not here yet. Baby Jesus has not shown up yet. Mary is pregnant. Joseph is there. Angels. Oh, look, there's the olive tree. We talked about olives last week and olive oil. Well, what could we do today that'd be fun? I've got an idea. Let's do a flash mob. You guys know what a flash mob is? That's when everybody comes together all of a sudden really quick. So right now, I want all of you to stand up and go to the other side of the Christmas tree right there. Come on, let's go. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. Now, I've got some signs for you for our flash mob. And they can't see us back here, and they can't hear us either, so it's okay. Here you go. Here is some signs for our flash mob. We've got a flash mob. We've got our signs. Here we go. Take your sign. There we are. There's our signs for our flash mob. Now, you'll see some of the words say give thanks. Some of them say rejoice. So when I say the word rejoice, you say amen. Rejoice. Amen. Oh, come on. Rejoice. Amen. Rejoice. Amen. He rejoice. Amen. Rejoice. Amen. Okay, we got it practice now. Let's go to our flash mob in front of the nativity scene, okay? Here we are. Come on, bring the signs around. Hold them up. Come on up here. Three weeks, and three more, two more Sundays, we have Jesus here. Jesus is coming. So Jesus is coming. Rejoice and give thanks. So rejoice, give thanks. Rejoice, amen. Rejoice, amen. Rejoice, amen. Rejoice, amen. Congregation, rejoice, amen. 
Rejoice! Amen! Rejoice! Amen! Rejoice! Amen! That's it, boys and girls. Go sit down there. You can keep that, yeah? Sure. You can keep it if you want. You bet. Our responsive reading is from Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. I will bring you home at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before their eyes, says the Lord. Scripture is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
reading from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowd that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, you warn you to be free, flee from the wrath of, to come. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowd asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors come to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As his people was filled with expectations, and all was questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fires. His wintering fork is in his hand to clear the, his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. 
When I was in high school, my biology teacher told a story to our class. She told it as the truth. She said that when she was in her first biology class, like a biology 101 at Chapel Hill in this really large lecture hall, two or three hundred students in the room, large enough in there that, you know, you could kind of blend in and no one would really notice you. She said they were taking their final exam. And right as this one guy closed his blue book to finish the exam, the professor noticed that he had a whole bunch of index cards there on his table. And he was cheating on his final exam. And the teacher called him up to the front of the room. She said, I just saw what you were doing. You can come up here. You can hand me your blue book. You have failed this class, and you will likely be ejected from this, from this school. You have broken the honor code. I'm extremely angry and disappointed in you. And so the young man goes up to the front of the class, and he comes up to the teacher, and he says, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? And she said, son, I don't care who you are. I don't know who you are, in fact, and I don't care. It doesn't matter. And he said, do you know who my parents are? you know my last name? And she said, no, I said I don't care. It doesn't matter who your parents are. You were cheating on the test, and you are out of here. And he said, I'm going to ask you again one more time. You really don't know who I am. And she said, no. And he said, good. <laughs> because, because there was a stack of those blue books already turned in about this high, and he slid his right in the middle and bolted out the door. <laughs> now, she told that as the truth. I think that might be one of those apocryphal, tale, apocryphal tales that happened somewhere sometime. But she said it happened in her class. And nobody in the class knew him, or they wouldn't own up to it. Nobody told on him. And uh, I do not, I, I, I cannot condone cheating. Please don't hear me saying that. But man, that was smart, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that kid was brilliant. But, but what's more hopeful than that, what's more hopeful is that this professor said... It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care if your parents are, are deans of the department or if their names are on some building down here. You have been caught cheating and you are going to pay for it. And there is something deeply hopeful about that. That no matter who he was, no matter the size of his bank account, he got caught cheating on the final exam, and he's going to flunk. I think there's a part of us that all long to believe in such a world, a world that is fair. I mean, that's how it should be, right? Isn't that how it should be, that everyone should be treated the same, that it doesn't matter? Of course, that's not usually how it works, right? 
That young man had been a star athlete. Do you really think he would have flunked the class? Probably not. If his last name was on one of those buildings, you really think he would have flunked the class? Probably not. Because the truth is, so often in our culture, we even say this because it's often true, that it doesn't matter what you know, it matters who you know. And yet, we long for a world in which people are treated equally. Which is why I'm captured by these words from John the Baptist. John the Baptist says to those who have come out into the wilderness, those who have come out to be baptized, he said to them, listen, don't you say we have Abraham as our ancestor because that's not going to cut it. That's not enough. God can raise up children of Abraham from these stones, he says. Doesn't matter whose you are. John says you must bear fruit worthy of repentance because just claiming to be one of Abraham's ancestors isn't going to cut it. John says you and me are responsible for the fruit that we bear or the fruit that we don't bear. Now, let me just say and be clear, the world is not a level playing field. I want to make that caveat, right? We know it's not a level playing field. Some folks are born with a brilliant intellect. Some are born with athletic skills. Some are born with good looks. Some are born into wealth. It's not a level playing field. You've heard the saying before, right? You were born on third and you think you hit a triple. Right? Some folks are born in the bottom of the ninth, down ten runs with two outs. We don't all start from the same place. We should be really clear about that. But it is ultimately up to us to bear good fruit. Which is to say, no one can do it for you. There is no one who can do that for you. And so what does this fruit look like? Well, John is very clear about what this fruit looks like. He says, if you have two coats, you must share with anyone who has none. And if you have food, you must do likewise. And, and then the tax collectors, look, I mean, even the tax collectors come out to be baptized. And they say, John, well, what should we do? And he says, well, you should stop ripping people off. That's what you should do. You should stop ripping people off. You shall collect no more than is prescribed for you. And then even these Roman soldiers come out. And they say, well, well what should we do? And he says... Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations. 
be satisfied with your wages. John's really clear. And it's interesting that two out of those three commands are directly about money. Two out of the three. And then the other ones, clothing and food, which is what we often obtain those items with money. Maybe not necessarily in those days, right? But that's how we obtain them these days. Most of us don't grow our own food and make our own clothes. Very straightforward instructions. We must be generous with our resources. And if we are not, then John offers this image. Even now, he says, even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So you can be generous, or you can be tossed on the burn pile, according to John. This is all on the Sunday of joy, by the way. <laughs> Who recommended this reading for the Sunday of joy? I didn't just pick this one. It's on the electionary reading for the third Sunday of Advent. And so while you've got this reading, here you have Paul at the same time saying, do not worry about anything. And I'm like, Paul, did you just hear John? <laughs> really? Do not worry about anything? The man's talking about a burn pile over here. And not only... Not only does Paul say, don't worry, he says, rejoice. And it's not just some kind of generic rejoicing. He says, rejoice for the Lord is near. And I want to be like, Paul, again, did you hear John? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord coming. And I'm not sure I'm rejoicing about that because it kind of scares me a little bit. The Paul reading is wonderful for the Sunday of joy, right? Philippians, hey, great, but what in the world are we doing with this reading from John the Baptist? When the truth is, John seems a little bit perturbed that we've been warned. Did you hear that? He says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? You get the feeling that John's a little bit upset that we got a warning. I think he'd sort of like us be surprised with a nice dose of wrath. And this is the tension with which we live. This is the tension. You see, on the one hand, we rejoice because the Lord is near. And on the other hand, we're like, I'm not so sure about the Lord being near because that is kind of a frightening scenario. We want to be near Jesus because we know that Jesus loves us. But because Jesus loves us, Jesus expects us to love each other. And we're a little unsure about that. A little unsure about being near Jesus because it isn't all that easy to love others in the way that Jesus loves. And we live in that tension. We live in that now, I want to be clear. God loves us. 
And yet I also want to be clear, God expects us to love each other. Sometimes we want to just stop with that first statement. Sometimes that's about all we can handle hearing. <laughs> and some days that probably is all you need to hear, right? Life can beat you down. Life can be really hard. And maybe that's all you need to hear, is that God loves you. So hear it. God loves you. But eventually, at some point, because God loves us, we also need to hear that God expects us to love others. And to be extra clear, I did not say, if we love others, God will love us. Please don't hear me saying that. That's not what I said. That if we love others, God will love us. That's not how it works. It's God who first loves us. It's always God moving toward us. And it is because that God has loved us that we can love each other. That's the tension, though, that we live with, being loved and yet calling to love others in this same kind of self, this selfless kind of way. And, and then there's also a, 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 another kind of tension. And it's about this rejoicing stuff. How can we rejoice in a world in, in, in which there is so much pain and suffering? How can we rejoice if others are unable to rejoice? There's a lot of tension there as well. I mean, how can we rejoice when there is a pandemic that continues to kill over 1,200 people in our country each day? How can we rejoice when children continue to be shot at school? How can we rejoice when our neighbors in Kentucky and Tennessee and Arkansas and Illinois and Missouri and Mississippi are ravaged by tornadoes? How can we rejoice if others are unable to rejoice? Well, if we had to wait, if we had to wait for everything to be right in the world before we could rejoice, well then, we would never rejoice. If we had to wait for everything in our own lives to be right before we could rejoice, well, we would never rejoice. We break the tension and rejoice because even in the brokenness of life, even in the darkness and difficulty of life, joy sneaks in and surprises us. Even when it looks like we have come to an end, there is much for which we can rejoice. Now, Christians aren't called to stick their heads in the sand and act like everything is right in the world. That's, that's called denial. We're not called to do that. We're, we're called to be realist. 
You see, we rejoice and give thanks for all the things in which we should rejoice and give thanks, and there are many of those things, and we do that even as we mourn and grieve in all the things that ask us and require us to mourn and grieve, and there are many of those things. We do all of these things because that's what life throws at us. That's what comes our way. And the world in which we live is just really, really small, and it gets smaller every day. It gets smaller all the time, and if you don't watch it, if you don't watch it, we no longer know just what is happening in our little corner of the world. If you don't watch it, we're inundated with all these terrible things that are happening all over the world, of which we should be informed so that we can pray and so that we can act in ways to help alleviate that hurting. But if we don't watch it, all of that stuff, all of that tragedy, all of that depravity, it will, it will rob us of the beauty and the love that is right in front of us. And we will be so overwhelmed by the weight of the world that we will miss the joy that is here and now. And we can't miss it. We shouldn't miss it. Because it is around us. And it will surprise you. And when it surprises you, just go with it. And be joyous. And be thankful. Amen.
as we begin this time of prayer, I want to invite you to think about the people, the places, the things, the activities that bring you joy. What are those things that renew you and give you life? Take a moment now to silently think on those things and to give thanks for them. Let us pray now silently. And may we continue in a spirit of prayer as Sarah sings. The winds of chill December sound the farewell of the Evening shadows gather round and cloud the soul with fear. But rest you well, good Christian men, nor be of heart forlorn. December's darkness brings again the light of Christmas morn. T'was when the world was waxing old and night on Bethlehem lay. The shepherd saw the heavens unfold a light beyond the day. Such glory ne'er had visited a world with sin outworn. But yet more glorious light is shed on happy Christmas morn. Snow at Christmas tide falls shining from the skies on village paths and uplands wide. A holy white it lies, it crowns with pearl the oaks and pines and glitters on the thorn, but purer still. Shepherds poor, how blessed were they, the angel song to hear. 
In manger cradle as he lay To greet their Savior dear The Lord of heaven's eternal height For us the babe was born And he the very light of light Shone forth that Christmas morn The chapel lights above the snow Do warm the coldest chill And manger seen by candle glow Inclines us to As we continue to pray, I want to use um, a prayer called the Advent Credo from Daniel Berrigan. Let us pray together. It is not true that creation and the human family are doomed to destruction and loss. This is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is not true that we must accept inhumanity and discrimination, hunger and poverty, death and destruction. This is true. I have come that they may have life and that abundantly. It is not true that violence and hatred should have the last word and that war and destruction rule forever. This is true. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. It is not true that we are simply victims of the powers of evil who seek to rule the world. This is true. 
To me is given authority in heaven and on earth, and lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. It is not true that we have to wait for those who are specially gifted, who are the prophets of the church, before we can be peacemakers. This is true. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall have dreams. It is not true that our hopes for liberation of humankind, of justice, of human dignity, of peace, are not meant for this earth and for this history. This is true. The hour comes, and it is now, that the true worshiper shall worship God in spirit and in truth. So may this Advent, may it give us hope. May it give us hope against hope. Let us see visions of love and peace and justice. Let us affirm with humility, with joy, with faith, with courage that Jesus Christ is the life of the world. And may that life of the world be with all of us. And may it especially be with the ones that we name aloud. You may offer your concerns aloud. And those of you joining online, if you have names to share, you may unmute yourself and share them aloud. Oh Lord, be with all the ones we've named and the ones left unnamed and the ones unknown to us. Give them hope and give them healing. Give them joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who has taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So on this Sunday of joy, today's Advent practice is to do something that you enjoy. Watch a funny movie. Eat a good meal, take a nap, share a, share a joke. You should laugh sometime today if you can. Find something that gives you laughter. Go do something that, that brings you joy. Have fun and don't feel guilty about it. Rejoice. That should be the easiest one yet. Rejoice. Let us stand now to sing our hymn of response.
You'll be seated for just a moment. It has been good to worship with you. It's been good to celebrate. I have enjoyed our time together. I should also give credit to the poet Mary Oliver for our call to worship this morning. We added a couple of lines at the end of that. Probably not really a thing you should do when people are poets, but we needed it to work, so I'm grateful for that. Also, uh, when you leave this morning, if you head out this way through the lobby, the offering envelopes for 2022 are there. Help yourself to those. Also, if you leave out this way, if you haven't been, you should go check out our nativities that are in the uh, gathering space. Thanks to all of you who brought those. And as Jody reminded me, I probably really should call those nativities instead of creches. She says I was getting highfalutin calling them creches because really and truly creche in its original meaning, it really just refers to the manger. Uh, so they're nativities. So I, I, she enjoyed telling me that very much. So um, that's, that's about all I have, I think, right? It has been good to be together. And, oh, I should remind you, so next Sunday is our Christmas caroling. We, we didn't do that last year. I'm looking really forward to that. It's one of my favorite things that we do. And uh, there'll be a few trucks around if you want to hop in the back of trucks and ride with us or if you want to follow us in your car. Or, um, it'll be a good time, and uh, we look forward to, to doing that together. So let's stand now for the benediction. So may you go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother, children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Amen. Amen.